And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. Hope you had a wonderful time this weekend and got to church and spent time with family and friends. That's what weekends are for. And I hope you enjoyed it. And look, we've got some very, very big news to share with you today. But before we get to that very, very big news, we've got some big network news for you. And that is that we have once again enter into uh, an effort with Samaritan's Purse to help provide uh, these wonderful shoeboxes for children all over the world. And by doing so, we get to send the good news of Jesus Christ to them. So it's an opportunity for evangelism and discipleship and and frankly, the multiplication of the church, you know, preparing for Jesus to return. <laughs> so the Bible has to, the Bible says that the word of God has got to go out into all the world. And, and that's what we're helping to do. So and by the way, this equips local churches, too, because we work through them and Operation Christmas Child's local ministry partners. So those hard to reach areas that you and I are probably never going to go. I mean, I'm probably never going to go to some of these hard-to-reach areas, and you're probably never going to get there either. But, you know, these gift boxes can. And so put your shoebox together now. You can do it with a standard size shoebox. Drop it off during the third week of November. That's between November 15th and 22nd. You can drop it off. Any standard size shoebox will do, okay? But you can order pre-printed shoebox if you want. You just go to their website, uh, what's that, samaritanspurse.org slash OCC, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, folks, this is, this is really a powerful statement of our love for Jesus Christ and our love for all of these children who may, well, never hear the gospel but for this effort. So you fill it up with fun toys and hygiene items and school supplies and and you can get other gift suggestions, by the way, from the Samaritan's Purse website. They'll, they'll suggest to you what you do. And they'll also let you know where to drop off at a location near you when you do it. So thank you all so much. We, we really appreciate that. The, the listeners of American Family Radio have a reputation for really responding to help charities like this. And you all know we're doing this. Uh, this, this has absolutely no monetary benefit for us. We're doing this simply because we know it's the right thing to do. And we support, some support Samaritan's Purse effort to do it. So thank you all for your help, because obviously we couldn't do it without you. Okay, here's the big news today. The big news is that an appeals court has struck down the um, Biden, what do you want to call it? I, I don't even hear again. It's not a vaccine, but the mandates for these shots for businesses have been struck down by an appeals court. And folks, that is very good news. That, that news just broke. It's an appeals court in New Orleans uh, that said President Biden's mandate has, quote, 
grave statutory and constitutional issues. And they have put a temporary restraining order on its implementation. So this is, this is very, very good news. Now, it's not the final word yet, but it's very, very good news. The government has until Monday to respond. And in the meantime, all mandates from a governmental perspective are off. Now, look, that doesn't mean companies can't continue to go down this very dangerous road if they want to. They can. But they certainly don't have any governmental authority for doing so as of this moment. So uh, you all know that over two dozen lawsuits were filed by states saying that the Biden administration simply was in, in transgression of the law and the Constitution by mandating through the Occupational Safety and Health Administration that businesses of 100 employees or more are required to have all workers vaccinated by January 4th. Now, of course, the, the, the alternative is they can wear masks or undergo weekly tests, but the, but the businesses seem to be mandating you've got to get the shot. And the court just said that it, uh, it appears, at least, now, this is not a final adjudication, mind you, but it is an indication of where the court thinks the law is. What you and I have been saying all along, this is unconstitutional. But apparently the court is also arguing that there is no statutory authority that gives occupational health and safety the right to force businesses to force their employees to take a certain medical treatment. You know, I talked about this during my sermon yesterday, folks. And you say, what, how, where, how could that come into a sermon? I'm talking about my sermon yesterday, part of a series I'm teaching on the power to prevail. And yesterday I was talking about authority. And in teaching about that, I taught about abuse of authority and I talked about governmental abuse of authority. Perfectly appropriate to the topic, because what I said was, if you get to the point where you believe that authority inherently is wrong or bad, then you can't exercise the legitimate authority that God gives you. And authority does come from God. It's legitimate exercises the problem. Human beings abuse it. But that doesn't mean the authority itself is not legitimate. And when human beings exercise authority appropriately, it is a good and healthy thing. And we've got, we've got a whole culture. You all remember, some of you will remember this, or some of you much younger will have seen it. And by the way, speech, speaking of much younger, um, we're going to start having representatives of youth taking a stand on the program regularly so that you young people who are listening to me, like Kelsey, who called me last week, uh, can can connect with them and connect with you taking a stand and, and have some people to stand with. But there is absolutely no constitutional authority in the government to mandate that you or I take a particular medicine, period. It's simply not there. And I talked about this yesterday during my message and talked about the fact that sometimes people believe that because others abuse authority, that authority itself is wrong. It's not. But you know what the Bible says? When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. Why? Because the wicked exercise unlawful and inappropriate authority. 
and they do it to the detriment and the hurt and the harm of people. The righteous use authority to serve people. The wicked use authority to rule and lord it over people. And we, we really, as a country, we have got to get that straight. Um, we have got to understand the appropriate use of authority. Our Constitution is a brilliant document in limiting the authority of government. And the problem is not the document. The problem is not our covenant, our Constitution. The problem is some of these bozos who could care less what it says and care less about adhering to it. But I, I was hopeful. This is a very good sign that there are constitutional judges out there who, who are textualists and originalists who will look at the Constitution, look at what the government is doing, and say, no, you cannot do that. And that the Supreme Court will take it up and say, no, you cannot do that. I've been disappointed by a couple of these justices, but let us hope and pray that this one, they will get right because this one, folks, is exceedingly big. Back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Last week, I talked about the cancel culture on college campuses. I ended my commentary with an encouraging action by Professor Robert George at Princeton, who sponsored a lecture that has been canceled at MIT. The typical reaction to that news has been, that's great, but that's an exception, not the rule. While that is true, there are more and more examples of people willing to push back against the cancel culture mob. The most visible example these days is Dave Chappelle. We can't support his gross humor, but we can support his desire to push back against the trolls trying to push his series off of Netflix. Following up on the attacks, he reminded everyone that the cancel culture mob has canceled Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling, along with lots of people who aren't celebrities who have been attacked for simply saying gender is a fact. Another example is Bill Maher. He is criticized because he is weary of a younger generation acting like their victims. More recently, he argued that words matter and that words like hate, victim, and phobic have been completely misused. Barry Weiss, who served as the op-ed editor of the New York Times, came on CNN to push back against the host about all the cancel culture offenses. We may disagree with her on many issues, though I do have a copy of her latest book on how to fight anti-Semitism. We should also support Boston Celtics star Enos Cantor, who is one of the few NBA stars to criticize China. This Muslim from Turkey has spoken out against slave labor and the two million Uyghurs in concentration camps. As Christians, we might not agree with any of the people I just mentioned, but we should support their right of free speech, and perhaps we should learn a lesson of courage from them. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Go deeper on topics like you just heard by visiting pointofview.net. That's pointofview.net. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. In November of 2017, then-President Donald Trump made these statements. We understand that we have nothing so precious as our birthright, our treasured independence, and our freedom. Let us never forget the world has many places, many dreams, 
and many roads, but in all the world there is no place like home. So for family, for country, for freedom, for history, and for the glory of God, protect your home, defend your home, and love your home today and for all time. Almost four years later, these words are still a good reminder and a call to action for the citizens of the United States of America. Yet, for the Christian, we must treasure our birthright in Christ much more, using our freedom in Christ to stand in righteousness, fighting the fight of faith, and winning others to Christ, all for the glory of God. This is the Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Now, I have certain themes that I use to analyze what we see going on in our culture today. And I'm sure you all who have been listening to me for a while could probably name them yourselves. I mean, remember me talking about ROS, race obsession syndrome, racial obsession syndrome, ROS. I said it should be a psychological malady because... It seems to be a major problem with a lot of people in our country. They are obsessed with it. I've talked about the idea that the left is really a gigantic cult. And, and a cult is an organization that denies reality and expect all of its members to do that with them. And anybody who doesn't go along with the denial of reality is can't, cannot be part of the cult and is hated by the cult, is seen by the cult as a threat to who they are. Now, another theme that I've talked about from time to time is this. That the left really hates the American people. I mean, that that to me is the one that one could most easily say, well, now, wait a minute. Wait, they they hate the American people. Uh, That might that might be a little hyperbole there. They hate the American people. But, folks, I really believe that that's true. See, I, I, I believe this. Just like the scripture says, Proverbs 29, 2, because I talked about it on my podcast this morning. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people mourn or groan. I said one one understanding of that is the righteous actually care about the people and are interested in serving the people. And the wicked could care less about the people They hate the people. The people are in the way of their power and their desire for themselves. And therefore, they make the people groan under the weight of what the wicked does to the people to try to either harm them, destroy them, or bring them to heal. In other words, bring them completely to compliance. And I... Folks, I, I am convinced that we are dealing with, with a, a cult-like movement that really hates us, that really hates us. And what brought this to mind is some of the reactions that we've seen from the Biden administration. For example, this recent one, you all hear the, the um, interview with Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm um, this guy on uh, who was she being? Where was she being interviewed? Um, 
Well, at any rate, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. But anyway, she was being interviewed, and he asked her, what is the Jennifer Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? And she broke out laughing. And she said, quote, that is hilarious. Now, knowing that gas prices have practically doubled, knowing that people on fixed incomes or people with low income or even lower middle income are going to feel that and feel that very significantly, and knowing that the prices of everything else are, are skyrocketing, and they are. I told a story this morning. I'll tell it to you briefly. My wife and I went to the supermarket yesterday to pick up a few things. And when we saw the price tag for the bill, we were in shock. Now, mind you, don't cry for us. We're, praise God, we're blessed. We can, we can buy all the food we want. We, that, that's not an issue. But we were still shocked by the prices. And our first thought was, wow, what about people who can? What about people who've got a limited budget? What about people, I mean, we all have a limited budget, don't get me wrong. We don't have an unlimited, but what about people, you know, who, who are on the margins? You know, they're living week to week, month to month. And every dime counts. So, well, we'll buy this. We can't buy that. We'll buy milk. We can't buy bread. We can't. And she thinks it's funny. Why does she think it's funny? I think they actually enjoy seeing the American people suffer. I really do. I think they enjoy it. Here again, uh, that may seem a little far-fetched, but, but just look at the evidence. Remember what Biden said about uh, when he was being asked about he was talking about the mandates, and he says, oh, you have, you have your freedom to, the freedom to kill me with your COVID, and he's sneering, freedom. As if the concept itself abs- means absolutely nothing to him, because leftists simply don't believe in the sacredness and the importance of the individual. You don't matter to them. In fact, to the extent that you resist what they want to do, you just need to be gotten out of the way, whatever that takes. I'm sure that you are all familiar. Uh, Actually, okay, I got it. It was on Bloomberg. It was on Bloomberg's station, Bloomberg's network, that she was being interviewed and was asked this question. But I'm sure you all have heard about this Christian actor who was working on Broadway and tweeted out that the requirement under in his jurisdiction that because you remember some of these governors during the height of COVID said, you know, don't 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 sing in church. And he responded to that and said, nobody's going to tell me not to sing praises to my God and that that's unconstitutional. And and it, nobody has a right to tell me that. And, and, and I'm I'm going to respectfully disobey that edict. Well, the people who were acting with him on this Broadway play saw the tweet and they fired him. They fired him. Nothing, folks, nothing radical, nothing crazy about the tweet at all. 
just just saying, here you go. Here's a quote from it. He says, I will never allow a governor or anyone to stop me from singing, let alone sing and worship to my God. Folks, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. This is not about safety. It's about power. I will respectfully disobey these unlawful orders. They fired him. They got rid of him. He's suing, which is what he ought to do, because that's unconstitutional as well. I'm convinced. And you say, well, wait a minute, but that's a private troop. Look, folks, in these days and times, just about every major operation has enough of a nexus to government. In other words, it depends upon the government to be able to function that it simply can't take the attitude. We don't have to acknowledge anybody's civil rights. We can do whatever we want to do. You can't. It's coming back to bite you if you do that. And I believe this is happening to Christians all over the country. But look, surely he knew these folks. They got to know him. They probably liked him. He liked them. They've been working together. And yet they didn't have any compunction whatsoever about kicking him to the curb. Once they found out that he's not part of the cult, that he won't deny the cults, that he won't accept the cult's definition of reality, that he won't deny what reality is. And the reality is that there's all kinds of unconstitutional, unlawful behavior going on here with all these mandates that have been handed down by individuals and then treated as if they have the force of law. They're not law. Governors can't make law. Mayors can't make law. The president can't make law. The Constitution puts legislative power in the hands of the Congress and states and and localities put legislative power in the hands of a, of, a, of, a, of a legislature, a state legislature, or in some cases of a city council, but, but executives don't have legislative power because we determine that it's much, much safer for our liberty to have a tripartite government in which the legislative, judicial, and executive powers are separate but equal. So the executive can't say, well, you know what? I'm going to be the judge. I'm going to be the legislature. I'm going to be everything. That's called dictatorship. And we don't have that here. Now, why why does this theme matter? It matters because we need to understand what we're up against. We are up against people who simply have no regard to the importance, the sacredness of the individual, your conscience, your decisions, your freedom of thought, speech, and action. They simply don't regard that. You don't matter to them. And and therefore, we have got to be absolutely determined to vote these rascals out everywhere we find them. Because they really are a threat to our liberty. They really are. They don't view life the way we do. They don't acknowledge the Constitution the way we do. And they certainly don't acknowledge that our rights and liberties come from Almighty God. They don't acknowledge any of that. And you can see what they do every time they find someone not in agreement with their ideological perspective. They don't just seek to try to persuade them. They try to destroy them. The story is also out that this young man... I think this happened uh, a few months ago, but this young man uh, has not been able to find any 
opportunities. He has basically been blacklisted. He's one of those Christians, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Dangerous. Think that God gives them rights. Really? Yeah. Think they have a duty to not obey anything that they consider to be unlawful or immoral. Oh, boy, they really are dangerous, aren't they? Gotta get rid of them. Back in a moment. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. You have probably heard this story, but it's one which is worth hearing again and again. Once there was a small boy who would lie about everything. His father tried several times to get his small son to stop lying, but nothing seemed to work. One day, however, his father came up with an idea which he thought would surely cause the boy to quit lying. The father put a post in the front yard of the home. He called his young son in and told him that each time the boy told a lie, he would drive a nail into the post. Well, the young boy didn't stop lying, and the father began driving nails into the post. Quite often, someone would ask the boy what the post with the nails was doing in his front yard. The boy, not wanting the truth known, would tell another lie. Before long, the post was nearly full of nails. Well, one day the young boy came home and told his father that he was tired of lying and wished to begin telling the truth. His father was overjoyed. He told his son that every time he told the truth, a nail would be removed from the post. One by one, the nails were pulled out. After some time, the post was free of nails. When the boy saw that the last nail had been removed, he asked his father about removing the post. His father said he would. Together they went out to do the appointed task. The young boy looked at the post, thought for a moment, and then spoke to his father. Daddy, the nails are gone, but the holes where the nails were are still there. The father turned to his son, hesitated for a moment, then replied, Yes, son, they are. We can put putty in the holes, smooth them over, and even paint the post. But the scars which the holes made will always be in the post. It is true that every lie we tell drives a nail in our character. The nails can be removed, but the scar will remain for a long time. Of course, the post was not a living object and had no way to heal itself. But as living humans, over a period of time, we can grow new tissue and the scar will disappear. Telling a lie will leave its mark, to be sure. We will never be able to change the hurt and agony it causes. But we can change the cause of our lying, that is, ourself. The post could do nothing to what was happening to it. But the boy could, and did. And of course it was the father who pointed out the need for change to his child. On a higher plane, the boy represents us, and the father represents God. God has told us that lying hurts us, that it drives nails into our character. But he has also said he's willing to remove those nails and even heal the scars left by the nails. His requirement is a change of attitude and practice on our part. The laws of living which God has given us, including the one against lying, 
are given for our good. Unlike the post, our characters need not decay when the nails are removed, but can live and grow stronger by the application of God's truth. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. After this tweet went out, people, his tweet basically saying, you know, nobody can tell me that I can't sing in church. He was bombarded with tweets saying, you should die. You should die of COVID. If you want to sing, sing by yourself at home. You see what I mean about the hatred? Here again, you'll never hear that expressed on this network because we don't feel that way about people. Somebody disagrees with us, we might get a kick out of it depending on how stupid they sound. Or we might answer the argument if we think that the argument is, is, is merits an answer. Um, or we might pray for the person. But you'll never hear anybody come on this network because somebody disagrees with us and say the things that were said to this Christian young man that I can't even repeat. So it's not that, you know, you're wrong, you know, you're you're making a mistake. Let us explain to you why you're making a mistake. No, they want his destruction. And and ultimately, for the time being, from a professional point of view, they've gotten it because he's out of work. So this, this is what I'm getting at. We can't allow people like this to be in political power. Now, you can't control the people who have private institutions. But I think long-term, we ultimately can at least see to it that people who run our institutions, the institutions of our culture and our country, are people who are at least balanced and people who understand that they shouldn't be trying to punish and destroy people who don't have the same opinion that they have about any particular matter. That if they are in a government position, they're there to serve us. If they're in a private sector position, as in this case, the producer was the person who fired him, that they should say, does the person do the job? Is the person causing disruption at work? Is the person creating any problems? Then let them do their job. And, you know, the political opinions they happen to hold are between them and whoever wants to have that debate. But here we are, we're here to do a particular thing and we're going to do that. And anybody who is capable of doing that particular thing with decency, in order, with proper decorum, is simply going to be allowed to do their job. Oh, no. No, no, no. In fact, you know what she did? She actually, the producer of this play, actually got back to him and told him that there was a relationship between what he said and the January 6th incident. And and you know what happened to the people who they caught or they alleged to have caught for their participation in that debacle, they kind of disappeared. Put in jail and held incommunicado. So do you see what I'm getting at? I mean, to me, that is an accurate description of how they think about us. 
and, and I'm not saying every single person, but I'm saying, but that's the culture of their movement. In fact, his producer, this guy's producer, called him part of the Christian conservative movement. Well, what is she part of? Because obviously there's some kind of cult that she's a part of just to label him that way when all he said was, I want to sing to my God. I don't, want, I don't think the governor has the right to tell me I can't sing. Wow. Woo. Man, that's, that's a terribly dangerous thing to say. If the people in that church agree, we're going to sing the praises of the Lord, and they do that, isn't that their business? But see, no, once again, no, you don't get to make that choice. They will make it for you because you're not smart enough, good enough to be making those kinds of choices. The number is 888-589-8840. Let me try to get some of your calls in here. And while you're lining up, I will continue to bring up a couple of issues that really need to at least be aired. We need to pray for the Supreme Court, folks, because Amy Coney Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett and, uh, and Brett Kavanaugh, um, just struck down a Catholic hospital seeking to deny transgender surgery on the basis of their religious beliefs that it wouldn't be appropriate to do it. And, well, let's put it this way. They refused to hear the hospital's appeal having lost at the lower level. So the hospital is now in a position where they're going to be forced to perform this operation because Kavanaugh and Barrett decided that they didn't want to take the case. And, you know, Christians, do you, you all realize, you know, there is not a single Christian adoption agency in Massachusetts, or at least certainly not one that will adhere to the scripture, because when they passed the gay rights bill and the, the Christian adoption agencies said, well, we cannot place children in homosexual homes with same-sex couples because that would be against the word of God, they closed them all. Yes, they closed them all. And the Supreme Court would never hear a case that would have allowed them to reopen on the basis of their First Amendment liberty. They were shut down. You know, I just, I just don't know why it is, folks. I don't know why it is that liberals seem to never, ever change sides. They, the, the liberals who are appointed to the court, to the court seem to remain religiously consistent, if I may use that term. And the conservative, you just... They don't seem to understand the implications of their power, that there are people who are trying to change or to distort our culture, to turn it into something it was never meant to be. And they have an opportunity to stop them. And they seem unwilling to take it. So while we've got, we do have one court that that at least put the, the the hold on Biden's mandate. Thank God, somebody was willing to do something. Um, but the Supreme Court 
is not willing to take the kind of stand that is necessary to stop this onslaught against American culture. The number again is 888-589-8840. I'm I'm having a little bit of difficulty with my my director software, but we will get to your calls. Just stand by. We will definitely get to your calls. 888-589-8840. In the next segment, I will focus on that. Uh, and so that that's I, I don't have a cute phrase for this other than they hate us. They hate their fellow Americans who don't adhere to their ideology and they should not be permitted to serve us in any position of political power. You've got to vote these people out. Here's the other thing. I, another one of those themes, ROS, racial obsession syndrome. Do you know that Kamala Harris is now running around the country? She just visited NASA talking about we need to track tree races for environmental justice. No, folks, I'm not making it up. She she wants NASA to find out where the trees are to make sure that the trees are placed in a way that is environmentally racially just. And don't, don't, don't. Folks, when you call me, don't don't ask me what. Look, nobody knows because there's nothing in Kamala Harris's head. It's air. It's empty. But that's what she's focused on now. And, of course, people have been making all kinds of stuff, making fun of this because they're saying, so we know that all Americans are racist, but now we're finding out that trees are racist, too. Uh, apparently, and that while com- now now get this, folks, while communist China is an article, um, I, I think it might have been in Breitbart today, talking about how communist China is attempting to surge ahead of the United States of America technologically, that this supersonic missile that they launched is way ahead of us and that they're trying to get ahead of us in other ways, they are making all kinds of noises about Taiwan. And we're talking about NASA looking for racist trees. Back in a moment. Hannah's Heart, a half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, but this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. The word justice is thrown around quite a lot these days. It's even incorporated into labels like social justice warrior. So many people call for justice, but what does it really mean? In the AFA journal, Ed Battagliano has written an article that looks at the difference between the cultural view of justice and the view that really counts, God's view. He also shows how righteousness and justice are scripturally connected. The article is called The True Social Justice Warrior. Read it today at afajournal.org. 
The church is growing big time in Latin America, and here's why. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. If you follow groups like Barna who measure church growth in America, they'll tell you it's somewhat stunted. In fact, it may have even dipped here in America. But it prompts you to look at where is it growing around the world. It's in places like Latin America because people are willing to suffer for the gospel. Let me tell you about a church outside of Caracas, Venezuela. They are rescuing women who are kidnapped and forced into prostitution by the drug cartel. They're serious about this. In fact, one of the members was killed by the cartel. His corpse pulled behind a truck to make an example to other Christians to stay out of the way to the cartel. But I can tell you this church is focused on what they believe God has called them to. And they have led more than 100 women, former prostitutes, to faith in Christ. And these women are needing Bibles because they're non-existent in that part of Venezuela. Please, at $5 a Bible, make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. It's for anyone, whether you're wanting to foster or adopt or whether you want to support a family. I think everyone can play a role. Today on Focus on the Family Minute, Jen Hook explains how you can make a difference in the life of a foster child. And so where can you fit on that funnel, right? And I think it's important that if you're thinking about it, really critically assess what do you have capacity and bandwidth for um, and what are your capabilities? Because I think what's the most hurtful for our families and especially our kids having people in and out of their lives is when we say, yes, I'm in, I'm going to support you. And then six months later, you vanish because it's too much. And so we always say, start small, start with something manageable, critically evaluate what can you commit to every month. If it's a meal once a month, start there. If it's stepping up to respite once a month, what is your commitment, you know? It's the little things that can make a big difference. So consider the ways you can support a boy or girl in need. Stop by FamilyMinute.org to hear the entire conversation with Jen. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. And we're back. Uh, those of you watching me online can see me trying to perform triage on my laptop <laughs> because it's giving me a little bit of difficulty. But look, the number is 888-589-8840. Um, you can call me. Uh, call me. <laughs> you can, yes, you can call me, uh, but my call screener will put you through to me. Uh, and we've been talking about a number of issues. So, so let, let me just come back. Uh, we're going to be having um, Matt Staver coming back after November 15th when there is expected to be a major decision that Matt Staver is presiding over, a major decision with regard to this, this COVID mandate nonsense that we are experiencing right now. So, folks, don't, don't despair. Okay, don't give up. Just pray because we may get some relief from an appeals court or the Supreme Court coming up soon. We've just gotten some today. It's not permanent. It's not final, but it's a good sign. And when they say that this mandate is statutorily and constitutionally suspect, that it it doesn't seem to pass muster. And remember this, too. Let me put on my lawyer hat here for a second. Judges don't grant preliminary injunctions without believing that the the person for whom they are granting an injunction is likely to prevail on the merits. Okay? 
they're likely to prevail at trial. That's one of the standards for granting temporary restraining orders or preliminary injunctions. There's got to be a likelihood that you will prevail at trial. So that's why it's a very good sign. They don't do it if they think, well, you've got a losing case. They do it because they think you've got a winning one. So that that should be an encouragement to us all. Okay, let's come to your calls. Let's go to Shannon in Missouri. Shannon, welcome. Hey, thank you, E.W. Bishop. I sure appreciate it. May God bless you and just watch over you and everything you do. Thank you, Shannon. I just want to give an update on what's going on partly with our country. I have an 8-year-old daughter, okay, a 14-year-old daughter, and my wonderful wife. And I took them to a movie last night. And you know what? We love superheroes. I've got a grandson. He he loves Spider-Man. We went to the the Eternals movie, okay? I had no clue. No clue. I ended up having to tell both my kids to close their eyes, plug their ears, because two gay guys were full-on kissing each other, and they kept inserting them all throughout the last half of the movie. If you're a parent out there, Absolutely, do not take your kids to see the Eternals movie, okay? Because I had to deal with some questions last night, and you know what? I do not like what our country is trying to do to our children. They're trying to brainwash, and they're trying to steal a generation and make them think that something that is perverted is okay, and it's not okay. I appreciate all you do, and I just wanted to give a warning to all the people out there. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you for the encouraging words. And Shannon, what can I say? You are spot on. And and you all have heard me say repeatedly, they are after our children. By the way, uh, I just got this word from Nicholas Frappier, who is my research assistant. And he told me that based upon a report by George Barna that he was looking at, he's going to be on my, on my program uh, to talk about that uh, here very soon. Um, 30% of millennials claim to be members of the LGBTQ community. 30% of millennials. And, and the data shows that with each succeeding generation, the number goes higher. This is how they're doing it. They can't recruit. And if, if people are really born that way, why are so many more apparently seem to be, why, why do so many more seemingly seem to be born that way than in the past. Because you're right. They are trying to normalize it. Shannon, you were right. They're trying to normalize it. They're trying to make everybody convinced that this is good and right and true and everybody ought to desire it. And it's a lie out of the pit of hell. It's an abomination to God. We love them, but they are wrong. And we've got to, we've got to protect our children from them. It's just that plain and simple. But thank you for the call, Shannon. Let's go to Louise in Virginia. Louise, welcome. Hey there. As hey. I was listening to the guy. I love your program. I, I listen to it every chance I get. Thank you, Louise. And I said, every word out of his mouth is the God's honest truth. But well, thank my, you. Uh, I have a brother who lives in North Carolina. And I am so upset over this. Uh, he, uh, some time ago, about a year ago, he was told that his kidneys were failing, 
and that he needed to go on the kidney donor list, and he, he needed to get on dialysis right away. Okay, nothing happened. Nothing happened. He went along. He was fine and dandy, said he felt good. Uh, now they're saying his body is not making enough blood for him. And uh, he has an appointment with a cancer doctor today and a kidney doctor tomorrow. But let me tell you what is really, they told him at the, at the doctor's that since he would not get the COVID shot, they're not doing anything for him. They will not yeah. do anything for him. I, yeah. I can't yeah. believe this. I, I, yeah, I can. But yeah. it has it has really done a, a number on our family. We're we're yeah. real close. What would you do? What would you do? Wow, wow. Louise, I, I think, the, 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 of course, there are cases like this happening all across the country. And Louise, again, thank you for the call and thank, thanks so much for the encouraging words as well. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, these stories are heartbreaking to me. They really are because it shows a meanness and a nastiness that is really unnecessary. You could test a person to see that they don't have the disease and go on with their operation. But oh no 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 that's no we you you we will let you die if you don't get this shot that we're commanding you to get. I mean this this is monstrous. And so if if I were in your place Louise I I I would be looking for some kind of legal action because this should never be allowed to happen. You know, there are other means by which they can assure the safety of those who would be operating on him, assure them that he does not have COVID, that he does not have the communist Chinese Wuhan virus, but they don't want to do that. They want to take the, the most drastic means and sentence you to death unless you're willing to go along. I mean, that, that stuff. Here again, folks, the, the, the petty tyrants have been unleashed and they're enjoying their day of power. Thank you for the call, Louise. Let's go to Jeff in Texas. Jeff, welcome. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Can you, yes, uh, you were talking about uh, the boating those uh, cockroaches out of there, but they keep coming back. They, they, they have so, so much control that they'll boat themselves back in no matter what you do. I uh, just wanted to share that with you. Well, uh, well Jeff, now what, what, now what do you think about Jeff? But what do you think about what happened here in Virginia? I mean, we, we voted. Look, after 12 years, we have not had any conservatives in constitutional offices. And for the last four years, we had lost control of the House. We got the House back and we voted out all the constitutional rascals, the unconstitutional rascals. I mean, you should call it that. The unconstitutional rascals. So that means... Jeff, there is hope if we will show up to the polls, right? Yes, yes, we, that's right. But look, look at this guy that's in the, in the White House. He wasn't supposed to be in there. We know for sure he wasn't supposed to be in there. Look yeah. at him. He's there, and all the Congress people are running right along with him. They're, they, they've got so much control, they can get away with all that. Well, I, I know, Jeff. I just know we vote. Everybody wanted Trump. We wanted yeah. Trump. Okay, and, Jeff, uh, and, Jeff, and, thank, and, thank you. It, Jeff, thank you for the call. Look, folks. That doesn't mean that we're not going to lose some, whether by cheating or some other, or by legitimate means. 
what it means is we just don't quit. We come back. And that's what we did here in Virginia. And we can do that all over the country. And I'll tell you something. I think if they keep behaving the way they're behaving, we are going to have a sweep. So, so Jeff, I just want to encourage you, brother. Don't. No, I think we are very much in this and the American people are waking up and realizing just what, look, what, did I, what have I been saying? That, that they hate us. You've got to hate a person to sentence that person to death because they won't do something that you want them to do. Let's go to Lester in Texas. Lester, welcome. Yes, uh, happy to have this opportunity. I just have two thoughts at the moment. Okay. Uh, first, I would like to say uh, it would be great if our country and your radio station and others would begin the program every day with God Bless America. Second, I'd like to say uh, reading my Bible, um, I'm a gentleman of 70 years old at the moment. I confessed Christ at the age of 12, and reading my Bible, uh, I would like to ask God, I might be out of, out of, out of hand, <laughs> I'm sure you can take care of it, but I would like to ask God to exhilarate us with the 8, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, 13 number of Psalms and destroy the wicked from among us and the wickedness that exists in our society. Thank you for your... Lester, Lester, thank you for the call. Well, of course, that's an imprecatory prayer that we don't pray anymore today, at least not for the destruction of people. What we pray now is for the conversion of people. We We pray that the heart of the wicked will be changed. See, they want to destroy us. We want to change them. So... Lester, I hear what you're saying. It can get frustrating. But as Dr. King said, I will never let any man make me stoop so low as to hate him. And so we're going to love him, but we're going to fight him with everything we've got. That's going to do it for today, folks. Thank you all. God bless you. Remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.